Welcome back to the Librarian Linkover Podcast. I am your host, Laureen Kennard. I'm so excited to talk with guests who highlight the wide array of skills that librarians offer. My guests are changing the paradigm on how we see librarians and are helping us recognize the valuable skills that we bring to the table. Our skills are valuable in any setting, and my guests are proof of that. My guest today is Dr. Julia Hooper. Dr. Hooper currently works as a content curator on an award-winning learning and development team at a global payments technology company. Prior to this role, she served as the head of learning science for an ed tech company, helped build curation and learning management system platforms, and taught gamification courses as an adjunct professor. I will ask her about that later. She previously worked as the director of training for the Georgia Public Library Service and spent 10 years working in both public and academic libraries across the state of Georgia. Dr. Hooprick, Welcome to the Librarian Linkover. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Tell us about your work and what kind of projects you take on. Yeah, so I love my job because it gives me an opportunity to uh, do something that, uh, you know, as a former librarian, I'm super passionate about. So as a content curator, I leverage our incredible library of training resources and find, I work with our stakeholders to find the best content for our learning experiences. Um, so they'll give me a topic and I'll go and, and search for something that helps people master a specific skill or, um, you know, learn something about a specific topic. Um, so I've been working on a lot of those projects recently. So all very learning and development focused. And then another thing that I've been working on too has been uh, related to uh, skill development, capability modeling, and doing a lot of research to see you know, what are other organizations uh, doing? What are our peers doing? Uh, what are some kind of up and coming uh, you know, ways that we can use skills to, to help people build their careers? So um, that, that research aspect of things, it's something that I really, really love. What traditional, in using air quotes, what traditional library skills do you use in your position? <laughs> yes, <laughs> just mentioned a few, right? Like the, the research aspect of things. Um, one, of the, one of the main ones that I would say that I've been using um, as, as a curator over the past you know, seven or eight years, right? Like after I left the, the, the state library um, has been around obviously finding resources, finding information, um, doing really, really amazing, like deep searches, finding great content, evaluating that content, um, which is something that I think is, is probably a little underrated these days. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, doing some of those advanced searches and, and making sure that the information that I'm sharing with people is authoritative and current and, you know, not biased in any way. Um, so definitely those, right. Like those core librarian skills, but, um, I would say too, like, you know, on the research aspect of things, um, being able to, to, to conduct really great literature reviews to, uh, you know, to find again, like that most authoritative research on a specific subject. That's, I think, again, something that, that I use all the time. Um, and then, you know, in terms of like soft skills, those customer service kinds of things, um, you know, making sure I truly understand a need, conducting those reference interviews, uh, like, mm -hmm. like we, like we were taught to do in, in library school. Um, those are, I think, some of the critical things that I, I use on a, a daily basis. 
Well, you've talked about this a little bit, but um, how do you add value to your organization because of your library skills and experiences? Yeah. Uh, so again, like I think one of the critical ones uh, to go back to that information evaluation piece of things. Um, one of the the things that I've done as a content curator is I've, I've developed a, a checklist of you know here's how you make sure that if you're going to share something, here's how you make sure that it it meets these criteria, right? So basically, it's something that I, I borrowed from the Digital Library Federation from you know 20 years ago. Um, I borrowed from like the CRAP framework from um, which, you know, librarians have used for a long time. Um, those kinds of things, I think, um, have, have really allowed me to add value because before that, people would just kind of share stuff, right? And and not really think about where it came from or, or what the value was or who the audience was, or you know, even again, like whether or not it was biased in some way. So I think that's one of the pieces, but but really I think more than anything, um, just the the level of, of curiosity that I feel like so many librarians have um, has been one of those those core things um, that that I've, I've kind of brought to the table and and at, been able to add value because of definitely curiosity for sure. Um, so when you hire people, oh, absolutely. Um, when you hire people, what do you look for in a candidate? So you know, I going back to that curiosity piece, and I, I listened to a few of your your previous episodes where some of your guests said this exact same thing, right? And it's about that curiosity. Um, I feel like a lot of us entered the library profession because we were just inherently curious about so many things. We love to learn. And I always look for that aspect of, of you know, someone's personality. Um, and then the other thing that I look for is integrity. Like, can I trust this person? Um, mm -hmm. You know, is there that, that like level of honesty? Because we spend so much time at work, right? Like I need to know that I can rely on someone who is on my team. And even if they have to come to me and say, hey, look, like I can't do X, Y, and Z, or I need help with X, Y, and Z, I'd much rather have that conversation than finding out after the fact that like, you know, they couldn't do whatever it was and they were just trying to hide it. So I, I think that, that that integrity piece in terms of skills, I, now there are some core skills, right? That I, I definitely want people to have, but it's really, it comes down to those two characteristics, curiosity and integrity. Everything else, I feel like you can learn, right? I've had that where we've interviewed someone and go, well, he doesn't really have like the skill we're looking for, but we can train him. Is he trainable? He's got other things. Yep. So we can train him on the library stuff. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. What kind of management skills do you re regularly rely on? So... This is actually the first time that I have not had a team. So the first time in a very long time. And you know, even though I'm not currently leading a team right now, I think that um, you know, there are still some some aspects of like holding myself accountable, holding other people accountable, uh, communicating well, even coaching, right? So coaching my peers, encouraging them. Uh, and I, I always had a very coaching kind of leadership style anyway, um, where again, going back to that aspect where it really, to me, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you don't have a specific skill set because I'm in learning and development. Like I have a core belief that we can 
learn anything we need to right so um so yeah having those 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 open conversations where i can give someone feedback about something that i saw uh maybe it was a project that we worked on together something along those lines um and and being able to encourage them to hey like i see this in you i see this potential in you um and maybe here's my recommendation for how you would you know kind of continue on developing in this way. Um, that's, that's always been uh, one of my, one of my values, I think, as a leader. Well, I think that's a sign of a good manager that you want your people to learn and grow and help them with yeah. their career path. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I had, there was somebody on my team and he's actually, he's a, a former librarian. And um, so this was a, a few jobs ago, but, but he, I remember when he left my team, and as sad as I was, like shed a few tears, right? But I was so happy for him. And he has really thrived mm -hmm. doing this new thing that he's doing. And so, you know, I mean, I think it's at some point it's like selfish to hold people back um, because mm -hmm. he really truly has, uh, he's doing an amazing job um, and in a field that's, you know, kind of adjacent to what we were working on. So yeah, I, I never want to hold somebody back, um, yeah. It's fun to see people grow and yeah. move on and do something that they want to do. Yeah. For librarians who work with budgets or want to move into a role with budget responsibility, what are a few suggestions you can give us on managing budgets? Oh, um, you know, managing budgets to me is, um, I, I like numbers, right? I like to know where things are going. Um, and uh, so for me, the challenge was never about fracking, like, you know, what's what's leaving, you know, how I'm spending the money or, or um, you know, how much money I have, have left, which I know can be a challenge. Um, the problem for me was always around projecting what we might need during the year. And, and I think, you know, for for that, I, I always did my best, right? So I don't know that I necessarily have any like, you know, earth shattering advice about how to to manage about it a budget or or, or track a budget uh, or even cre you know create one. Um, aligning those expenditures to the OKRs for an organization, you know, whatever that might be, um, especially in the private sector, that's, it's always something that I tried to do. Um, and then I was always, again, in the private sector, I was always prepared to like go ask for more money if I needed it to achieve something that, that came up during the year. But I think that alignment is critical um, more than anything, but, you know, I, again, I don't think that's like necessarily earth shattering advice. But it's it's important. Yeah, it's a good way to look at a budget. Knowing what those priorities are, you know, and like mm -hmm. how you're going to make it happen. Um, you know, that's, I think, kind of budgeting 101, but. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What suggestions can you give librarians who want to move into a position like yours? Yeah, um, so. I think networking. Networking mm -hmm. is key. Networking is is one of the ways that I, um, one of the ways that I, that I did get my job. Now, certainly, I had the skill set for it, but if I hadn't known someone, I never would have have ended up leaving libraries. Now, while networking didn't help me get the current job that I have, um, I I know that it's it's critical, especially again in the private sector. 
Um, so keeping those relationships alive, having coffee chats with folks on a regular basis. Uh, when you are ready, you know, to, to leave a role, maybe you want to pivot, maybe you want to enter a new industry, um, you know, finding people on, on LinkedIn, reaching out, scheduling those, those informal chats, having those questions ready, right? Like, um, a, the, you know, the ones that, whatever it is that you want to know, like, like, don't go into it old and, and not having questions. But I think that, that having that kind of strategy of, okay, like these are the the five things I'm going to do. And one of them being like networking, I think again, is, is, is key. I agree. Networking is key for a lot of things, especially moving, moving jobs or moving yeah. industries. It, it really is. And I, I find it to be um, very challenging. I can be very introverted and it's not something that I, I like doing, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, when I remember that, okay, like I have value that I can add to an organization and really I, you know, if I am, or, you know, when I am looking for a new role, it's, it's about finding where's there that mutually beneficial relationship. Um, mm -hmm. And so for me though, like, you know, initially I, I think shedding the identity of a librarian was really hard. Um, and, and it, and it's still, I think, probably a little bit difficult, right? Like I, we tie so much of our personal lives to our work. Um, so that, that piece of things can be difficult, but um, I know in the private sector, it's not necessarily something that, you know, like, like people don't really go around saying like, oh, like I'm a, pro a product manager, right? Like that's like my identity um, as much as we, we do often in the, you know, in, in fields like librarianship or you know, teachers, I think often can struggle with that too. Um, so yeah, those are my tips. Well, I always say the, we have the skills and we're using them in yeah. libraries, but we can use them anywhere. Absolutely, so, yeah. Yeah, those research skills, the critical thinking skills, information literacy, yes, so critical. Customer service, yeah. Those skills will take you far. So, there's skills that everyone needs, really. <laughs> yeah. Everyone doesn't have. That's why we provide True. value, because we have those skills. Most of us Absolutely. have yeah. those skills. What kinds of projects do you assign to your gamification students? Ah, uh, I loved, uh, love, love, love uh, working on that class and, and uh, working with those students. Uh, so some of the projects that we work on, uh, you know, we, we go through kind of the different aspects of uh, games, right? Like what are the elements that make up games? We analyze games, like we essentially like break them down, you know, what are the rules? What are the mechanics? What are, you know, all of these, all of these different things. So we, we break down these different games and, and they have a lot of leeway in terms of what they do. And then we pick uh, a problem and then reassemble all of those elements into a uh, into a like a, a learning environment right um, to address a specific issue so that's usually uh, how the semester goes uh, so we do a lot of game analysis and then we also uh, do a few projects that build up to um, some kind of, kind of gamified solution and and it could be you know a board game or it could be a virtual reality game like we talk about that aspect of things too um, because augmented and virtual reality are being used so frequently um, in 
like corporate learning environments, there's a lot of potential there. And so, uh, and then gamification, I think gets oversimplified in a lot of, a lot of learning environments. Um, people will give someone a badge for something and, you know, or, or, or give them an award and, or put them on a leaderboard. And there's so many other things that we could do from a learning and development perspective uh, to encourage people to learn and, and tap into the, that intrinsic motivation. So. I'm so glad corporations are using those tools because everyone learns differently. Not everyone can like read an article or, you know, they, everyone, some people need different, different ways to learn. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of the things that I do in my, in my job too, right? Like, so yes, my, my title is like content curator, but one of the things that I really love is, is taking that content and then contextualizing it and, and giving people application exercises. And so it's not just about finding the content, it's about like transforming it into something that's truly instructional and, and, and helpful. So. Great. I'm sure that uh, they all have something at the end of the class that they can show to a potential employer, they've worked on these projects. Yes, absolutely. Yep. That's the dream. What yeah. <laughs> what professional associations have you joined or which ones have you gotten the most out of? Yeah. So when I was a librarian, I was a member of uh, ALA and PLA um, and then like my state library association, GLA. Um, and, and, you know, I think those are amazing, right? Being, um, being a part of a professional organization is, it's so rewarding and there are so many opportunities. And as I, uh, you know, have, have gone through my career. I was a member of, um, uh, some different like ed tech instructional technology kinds of, uh, associations, which again, like as a, as a student was really rewarding, gave me a ton of opportunities. And then as a learning and development professional, I was a member of, uh, the association for talent development. Again, great networking, great learning opportunities, um, and, and great opportunities to like learn from my peers, to join committees, to show leadership skills. So, you know, I think the advice that I would have for people who are looking to join a professional organization is to, you know, kind of look and see which one, who are your people, right? Like find your people, mm -hmm. um, find the people who are, are doing something, um, you know, that you're passionate about. Um, there was a, a, a kind of an informal association it's customereducation.org that I was a member of for a while. Um, customer education is, is one of the, the fields that I worked in. And it, it, it gave me an opportunity not only to meet other people, but then again, like to learn from them and to share my insights and um, to elevate the field. So uh, while those are not organizations that necessarily everyone would be interested in, yeah, I would definitely encourage people to find their people. Especially if you want to move into a field like what you're in, then those would be great places to look. And I always tell students, join all of them because they're like $20 or, I mean, it's cheap. So get in a lot of them and scour the websites because there's so much information on the websites without even joining and see which ones have the angle that you want to follow. Yeah, and for people who are in, you know, corporate environments, oftentimes check with your, like your L&D team, uh, your HR team, your people team, you know, whatever they call it, um, because, you know, at least for most of the organizations, or most of the organizations that I've been in when I have been in the private sector, um, they were, the memberships were paid for by, by the company that I worked for. So um, tap into that, use that benefit for sure. Absolutely. 
Um, I've talked, um, I've asked you about your gamification course, but if you were designing a library school course on content or content curation, what are a couple of projects that you would assign your students? Yeah, so when I teach, uh, I, I have taught a few workshops related to content curation, and, and we do a couple of different projects. So one is to think about a time when, um, you know, we have curated something, right? And so a lot of people don't realize that, like, putting together a playlist of your favorite songs, like that, in essence, is curation, right? Um, we talk about, um, you know, how we can add context to specific things. So maybe we create a book list, and then it's annotated, right? Like, that's a form of curation. So we go through a few examples like that. And then we um, curate something that's new. So I'll often challenge them to kind of think about a topic that they're working on um, in their professional life, or think about a topic that's, you know, that they're really passionate about. And then we work together to to curate a learning experience um, using, I have this methodology that I've come up with over the years. And so we we use that methodology, we, we learn about it, and then we kind of put it into practice. So interesting. That's fun. It I sounds like, like it. Everyone is a curator, right? Like in some way, shape or form, like we all kind of collect something and those things have meaning to us. Um, and so sharing that with the world is, I don't know, it's a fun thing, so. Absolutely, just, and you can, you can curate anything. You can curate anything, yeah. So I, you know, I curate courses, but it could be anything. Yeah, that's great. So why did you go to library school? And based on your career so far, does that reasoning still hold? So I went to library school uh, because after I graduated, I got a job at the library on campus. So after I graduated from undergrad um, and I was really, really lucky. So libraries were always a place, you know, like everybody else, right? Like I have this like amazing like library story from my childhood where the library was like a safe place and the librarian was so nice and she, uh, you know, helped me you know, obviously find resources and stuff, but she also put me to work. Um, so when I couldn't pay my late fees, you know, she would let me work off my my library fines by shelving books, right? So I had always had this like really positive um, association with libraries. So when I got the job working at the library on campus after graduating from undergrad, um, my boss encouraged me to use our tuition assistance program to go to library school. No brainer, right? Um, and so that was, I think, one of the best things that I've ever done. Um, it's obviously given me an amazing career, one that, you know, going back, would I change? Maybe. Um, I think right now, librarians and, and people working in libraries are it's, it's a challenging time, right? Ooh. Budgets are being cut, uh, books are being challenged by people who are not reading them. Um, I think that, you know, there's kind of this, this rise of anti-intellectualism and, and this idea that, you know, well, I'll, I'll just research it myself, right? And, and by that people mean, I'm gonna Google something and then look at the first article that comes up, right? Um, inside of my little Google bubble. And so, I think that there's because of those things like we need librarians more than ever right like we we need people to 
create those safe spaces for for kids and and for everyone really we need people to uh to teach how to critically evaluate information and so while i don't know that i would go to library school again if i had the choice i'm so thankful for people who do mm -hmm. yeah and if you're in a school library or public library you probably have your hands full it's not really a good recruiting tool these it's, uh, challenges it's really it's really not and and even so i started you know i was working at, at an academic library and you know not to like date date myself but you know it was during a recession right and there was no job growth there was no i kept being told you know we would really like to bring you on at the time I had like a staff position and they would really like to bring me on to like a library faculty position. But, but the message was always just, you have to wait, you have to wait, you know, until someone retires because there's no, there's no budget to hire additional headcount. Right. And so I think that, you know, you've got, I think the same thing happening, right? Like budgets are being cut. The books are being challenged. Like it's challenging um, to, to think about spending a couple of years of your life going to school for something that you know might not be a long-term career again i'm very thankful for people who do that um, because i you know obviously believe that that libraries are, are critical uh critical components of of our communities and our schools and our our you know our universities i and i'm i would like to say that i would do it all over again well i think the the problem the thing i have is everyone says they love librarians they love the library because they have a nostalgic view of when they were a kid right. but did you vote for the last referendum you know are I you did, going right. to the library to stand <laughs> yeah. up for the freedom to read when your librarians are being called pornographers exactly. and pedophiles right. this is when the rubber meets the road and you either use it or lose it you know we have to support what we want or we won't have it anymore and i'm glad that finally some authors are showing up to board meetings and saying mm -hmm. you've banned my books and that's wrong and we don't ban books and you know but kids are showing up saying stay out of our libraries you don't live here set of you our libraries even, so right the kids are kids are doing it and the adults need to start uh getting in line and you know, realizing you can't let someone tell you what to read because that's what they're doing by removing a book this right. these basically they're religious extremists if we're being honest mm -hmm. If they're removing a book from a library 500 miles from where they live they're telling you what you can read don't let right. them do that what did i saw something the other day that said like basically kids are walking around with like unfettered access to pornography in their pocket right like <laughs> these like exactly. devices where literally they could look at anything they want right and we're banning books in school libraries and again like mm -hmm. you said people who do not live in these communities they haven't read the books um which you know to me is like i feel like you should write a book report every time you challenge a book right like tell me why um and it's it's so easy these days to 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 challenge teachers and librarians and and all of that and um i i think one thing i'm taking away from this conversation um and and i would love to hear from other people so please reach out to me on on linkedin um is exactly what you're saying, right? So I'm I'm not working in libraries anymore, but I know that there are ways that I can support 
libraries. So mm -hmm. writing to my legislators, um, voting mm -hmm. in referendums, um, being a supporter of, you know, the friends of the library of my local library, even mm -hmm. checking out books, because I know those mm -hmm. circulation numbers are so critical. But what are some other ways, right? Like, how can we make sure that that this is, is that libraries are still important and funded and supported? That's, I think that's my takeaway from this conversation, honestly, because I probably haven't done enough to make sure that I'm standing up for the people who are are doing all of this amazing work. So thank you, Lorraine. <laughs> well, uh, you're very welcome. This is my like soapbox issue is the value of yeah. libraries and we need to stand up for them. Even before all these ridiculous challenges, we need to stand up for them. Um, but I would tell anyone who wants to know how to help their local public library or school library, call the librarian, call the director, go see the director, email the director and say, how can I help? Yeah. They may tell you, write a letter or we may have to come to a board meeting and say, I'm speaking up for the freedom to read. We don't ban books. I mean, there, there, are, there are things big and small that we can do, um, but I think every community can be different. And I really think, um, I know a lot of people are like, we're gonna go do this. And I'm like, oh, what did the library say? Oh, well, we didn't mention the library. Well, before you think like you wanna donate a bunch of stuff or you think mm. you're helping the library, ask the library what they need because they may already be doing that or they may need something else. So that would, that would be my advice to anyone. Call your school librarian or go to the public library and ask them, how can I help you defend the freedom to read? And then they'll tell you. An amazing and point. Still may not work because sometimes the electeds do what they want, even when everyone wants them to do something else. But at least you can say you did something. You're standing up. And I find it very empowering when you speak up. It's Absolutely. very empowering. We're citizens. Sometimes it's worth being a citizen. Democracy is not, you know, for the faint of heart sometimes. I like it. Anyway, I could talk about this stuff all day, but I won't, uh, <laughs> I won't keep you all day. Um, so I think uh, that was a really good conversation. I think we talked about a lot of really great things. And I think a lot of people are going to be interested in content curation from our conversation. I hope so. Please reach out. Yeah, absolutely. I've written, you know, a few articles here and there about it. Um, you know, there's some some really uh, great folks who have written some books and, and that kind of thing. So always happy to, to make uh, recommendations on some things folks can read and ways that they can learn more. So again, yeah, definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn. I would love to hear from folks um, about any of the things we've talked about. Great. Thank you for that offer. Uh, I've heard that listeners do reach out to guests and listeners have hired guests and they're connecting with guests and buying their products and stuff so you might hear from some people i hope you do that'd be great yes absolutely yes thank you to dr julia hooprick for being my guest today on the librarian linkover thank you to everyone who listens to my podcast i love hearing from listeners who tell me how useful they find the content that my guests and i have been creating we are building a wonderful community please keep that feedback coming please like and follow the librarian linkover on your favorite podcast app on social media, and on my website, thelibrarianlinkover.com. Thank you so much for listening.